Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today, as usual. And, uh, Jim, yesterday, the bad martini was China's increasingly belligerent and threatening behavior over Taiwan, uh, sending dozens of military planes, fighter jets, and bombers, sending the clear message that uh, we can take you anytime we want and resistance is futile. And so today, it's in the good martini, not because China's behaving any better, but because Taiwan is publicly standing its ground and demanding uh, its freedom here, which is obviously good. But before we do that, uh, we need to get to the latest statement from the Chinese as well, talking about just how menacing they are getting. Uh, a Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson saying, quote, Taiwan independence, which they obviously don't recognize, leads nowhere, adding that China will take all necessary measures to resolutely crush all attempts at Taiwan independence, and China has firm resolve and will safeguard national sovereignty and territorial integrity. That obviously uh, tells us about Chinese ambitions. But the uh, president of Taiwan, her name is Tsai Ing-wen, published an essay in Foreign Affairs magazine stressing Taiwan's desire for peace, but said, quote, if its democracy and way of life are threatened, Taiwan will do whatever it takes to defend. Uh, Reading this account from the UK Guardian, by the way. uh, But the president says, quote, amid almost daily intrusions by the People's Liberation Army, Our position on cross-strait relations remains constant. Taiwan will not bend to pressure, but nor will it turn adventurous, even when it accumulates support from the international community. In this piece, the president of Taiwan also talking about the uh, significant damage uh, a Chinese takeover of Taiwan would do to regional stability, talking specifically about what they call the first island chain, uh, which stretches from northern Japan to Borneo. She says, quote, should this line be broken by force, The consequences would disrupt international trade and destabilize the entire Western Pacific. In other words, a failure to defend Taiwan would not only be catastrophic for the Taiwanese, it would overturn a security architecture that has allowed for peace and extraordinary economic development in the region for seven decades. So, Jim, she's speaking the language everybody understands there. Money. But, uh, you know, we've got a statement from the U.S. We've got a statement from Australia, maybe some others. Although, at least at the moment, it's uh, hard to think that some diplomatic statements are going to deter the Chinese much. So what do you make of the latest developments here? I was going to say, having seen in Afghanistan that American rhetoric really doesn't count for very much and that a lot of the values that particularly this president has spent a lot of time talking about how much he prioritizes human rights, democracy, women's rights, individual liberties and you know like these are these clearly are not that important a deal to the biden administration otherwise you would not have a leave have left afghanistan the way you did but afghanistan can be ignored in a way that taiwan cannot and keeping in mind you you know that's not saying you should ignore afghanistan but it's observing because of distance because of it being landlocked and because the perception of it's the graveyard of empires and americans you know generally didn't pay much attention to afghanistan before 9 11. Uh, There's an attitude of like, hey, whatever happens over there, it's like Vegas, whatever happens in Afghanistan stays in Afghanistan and we don't need to worry about it. Never mind the fact that like the lesson of 9-11 is that what happens in Afghanistan does not stay in Afghanistan. Well, Taiwan is a major trade partner, despite the fact that a whole bunch of countries don't like to to, to diplomatically recognize it. They still have enormous economic ties to uh, Taiwan um, all throughout the the Asia Pacific region. And 
China doing this again it would make it almost impossible for that to like all they talk about a, a counter Chinese alliance with the U.S., with India, with Japan, with South Korea, with Australia, uh, and some of the other regional countries and, and um, you know partners there. Like that would galvanize that people would you know no longer be able to be in denial about that. Uh, the question is whether it would be too late for certainly you know too late for Taiwan and and how many other countries would end up knuckling under to China in these circumstances. Yeah, look, you know, she is sounding the alarm, and it does seem like there's been a little bit more of an awareness of this issue. It's not buried on page A10 quite the way it used to be. Hopefully, there are enough people in the United States kind of waking up to this that kind of recognize, okay, this might actually be a little tougher than we thought. You know, we might, we, you know, there was a time we might have been able to catch this, even, you know, the Biden administration sleeping on this, too occupied with other problems to be fully prepared for this kind of global crisis. I think the more you hear talk about it here, the more people recognize, you know, something like this would effectively end the existing U.S.-China relationship and set up, you know, whatever your preferred metaphor is, World War Three, World War Four, a new Cold War, you know, um, a, a new battle for global supremacy uh, that, you know, the Chinese, you know, basically believe that they're an empire interrupted and it's time to go back to their rightful place as the leaders of the entire globe. One of the things that also stands out here to me, Jim, which makes this, I think, also a good martini, is people who are facing repression and their courage to stand up. You and I are old enough to remember it uh, when people stood up around the time of the fall of the Berlin Wall and the whole solidarity movement in Poland and just how Eastern Europe exploded with freedom once the Iron Curtain fell. And we've seen it recently with Hong Kong as well, people taking to the streets. They knew full well that the uh, Chinese government knew what they were doing. And even when some of these more restrictive policies came into place, they still did it. Um, I specifically remember Jimmy Lai, the media mogul who could have easily fled Hong Kong. And he said, no, I'm standing with my people. I'm here to push for freedom. And now the guy's in prison and uh, probably will be there for the rest of his life, given the way the Chinese act. And so the resolve of the Taiwanese people, there was a side story here about the Taiwanese general public taking lessons now in first aid and doing other things to help the military. Don't know if that would make that huge of a difference. But the resolve and the mindset of these people in the face of uh, an overwhelming opponent here is also pretty inspirational. It's so frustrating. You look back through human history, people think, oh, why did somebody do something about this? You know, we would re- always would rather not fight. We always would rather not uh, get into a war. And we always want to find, all right, there's got to be some other option. There's got to be some other way we end up not uh, ending up in a, you know, hope, you know, hopefully not deadly, but, you know, a very serious conflict. And the problem is, you know, paying the Dane Geld only makes the Dane Geld come back. You know, the, the old, you know, military slogan, if you want peace, prepare for war. If you have a... Uh, strong deterrent factor that keeps the you know malevolent actors on the global scene a little less uh, red- a little more reticent a little less eager to take things that don't belong to them, whether it's you know Putin in uh, Crimea or you know Georgia or any of these other you know Saddam Hussein versus Kuwait you know just a an infuriating set of circumstances. Uh, we'll you know we'll see how things shake out. Maybe the people are waking up in time to prevent things from getting much much worse. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. And of course, while all of this is playing out, we've got our huge uh, fiscal debates going on here in Washington, the debt ceiling at the moment. Uh, They're still trying to figure out what to do about the infrastructure slash reconciliation bills. And uh, that still is uh, in in limbo at the moment, which is probably about as good as we can hope for. Hopefully it stays there. But uh, one thing we know for sure when it comes to the economy is that inflation is on the rise. Things are getting more expensive. 
And so all of us are looking for ways to save money. I'm doing it. Jim's doing it. I'm sure you're doing it, too. And it's just crazy how fast the prices of some of these things are rising, whether it's gas, uh, things you buy at the grocery store, clothes, whatever. And all the experts are saying it's going to get worse before it gets better. But one of the best ways you can go out there and find ways to save money is looking at your auto insurance rates. And the best place to do that is at Gabby. Greg, shopping for auto insurance sucks. We all know this, and so does Gabby. And that's why they do all the work for you. Things that would take days or weeks, Gabby can do in just minutes. Gabby uses your current policy to compare your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance companies. We're talking about companies like Progressive and Nationwide and Travelers. They are the one true comparison platform with fast, verifiable quotes, not ballpark guesses. And because Gabby uses your current coverage, they only show policies that are the same or better than your current coverage. And many of them are likely to be at a lower price. And Gabby is free to use. They will never sell your information. So you'll never have to deal with spam or robocalls. Absolutely right. Gabby protects your information and they get you the information you need right away and you can save hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And so I went through this process. You just go through a number of prompts. You enter information you already know off the top of your head, link to your current insurance policy, and then you'll see what other companies would charge you for the very same coverage. And so then it's your choice uh, to make the switch. We realized that we were in a pretty good situation, so we didn't need to switch, but we enjoyed that peace of mind. And knowing that Gabby protects that information is all also uh, providing peace of mind. So people who switch with Gabby save on average $80 a month. Multiply that by 12 months, you're getting close to $1,000 a year uh, versus their current policy. $80 a month. There's a lot you could do with that, especially right now. But it's not just me who loves Gabby. Gabby has been featured in TechCrunch, Forbes, and USA Today. Start saving on your auto insurance today. Go to Gabby.com slash martini to start saving today. It's totally free, no obligation. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. Gabby.com slash martini. All right, Jim, it was just last week that we were talking about the situation with uh, school boards. We talked about uh, Terry McAuliffe's delightful blunder. I don't even know if it was a blunder. He just uh, admitted what he actually believed about uh, parents and what power they shouldn't have when it comes to their kids' education. And then later in the week, there was a letter to President Biden from the National School Boards Association basically asking the federal government to review violence and threats involving schools to see if they violate federal statutes about domestic terrorism and hate crime. Well, the letter got there because just yesterday, last evening in fact, Merrick Garland, remember that totally moderate uh, federal judge who was supposedly the perfect choice for the Supreme Court? Well, be thankful every day that Mitch McConnell and the Republican Senate uh, did not let that happen in 2016 because now Merrick Garland is uh, putting parents on notice, you might say. He says, in recent months, there's been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff who participate in the vital work of running our nation's public schools. While spirited debate about policy matters is protected under our Constitution, that protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views. Uh, he goes on to say that he's going to have the FBI uh, focused in on this, Jim, and investigating whether these threats warrant federal prosecution. And so one day after we talked about uh, lefty activists following Kirsten Cinema into the restroom, we're not going to get all hypocritical here and say that uh, parents who we might agree with on the policy should go out there and, and make threats or be physically intimidating and that sort of thing. I think you're far more effective making your case. You can do it in, in an impassioned way, but uh, make a make a verbal case, obviously. 
But there seems to be a tipping point here now. Maybe it's with McAuliffe and some of these other things we're seeing where uh, the left is very, very open about parents not being in charge of their kids' education anymore. And because parents are getting fired up, whether it's masks or pronouns or critical race theory or whatever it is at these at these meetings, uh, the left seems to be, uh, in, in many cases at least, turning volume into actual threats. We'll see if there are legitimate threats. Those could probably be you know, investigated at the local level. But what do you make of Merrick Garland getting the feds involved here with these uh, local disputes, whether they've risen to the level of threats or not? You know, Greg, I think the easiest way for me to understand how this could have happened is just to envision somebody in the Biden administration, administration let, let's call him um, Theo, looks at this situation and says, oh my God, we've really got ourselves in a jam. Uh, having schools closed for the better part of a year across most of the country made parents really, really angry with teachers, uh, unions for, for dragging their feet on reopening schools. And then you got the critical race theory teachings and you've got complaints about masks and you've got complaints about uh, just, you know, one example of school board arrogance after another. And, you know, just parents are just really fired up. And then, of course, you, know, you have the McAuliffe's of the world just stepping in it and saying, I don't think parents should be deciding what their kids should be learning and stuff like that. And I'm sure this Theo character looks and says, Scott, you know, getting out of this jam in time for the Virginia gubernatorial election in the midterms, it's going to take a miracle. And someone in the Biden administration said, you asked for miracles, Theo. I give you the FBI. You wondered where that was going. Why is this guy named Theo? There's like two listeners out there who are like, I know where Jim's going with this. Anyway, um, look, I don't want to disparage everyone who works at the Federal Bureau of, of Investigation. But between the problems we saw with Russiagate, and, uh, Peter Zock, you know, that little smug little thing he, he did during the hearings and Jim Comey turning into the partisan cheerleader and things like that. Um, it's not the entire organization, but there is a sense that the FBI has now kind of turned into this law enforcement administration press release machine that you you know like yeah by no stretch of the imagination are you or me or i think any right thinking person saying you should threaten your school board you know members you should not threaten your school board members any more than you should follow a senator into the bathroom and berate them as they're sitting there on the toilet right you know like there's certain but you should not threaten them but you should say the threatens you'd be like you know well i'm really fed up with the job you're doing i'm going to replace you with the next available election either i'm going to run against you or i'm going to support whoever's i'm going to go knock on doors i'm going to make sure that you're off the school board and somebody else is that's you know that's perfectly fine but physical violence or, you know, stuff like, no, not acceptable, not acceptable. Um, don't do it. If you do, you should get investigated. But again, it's hard to see why this wouldn't be a job for local law enforcement. This certainly doesn't seem to be any type of, you know, coordinated national campaign. There is no vast conspiracy that's out there saying we got to threaten the school board members. And there's part of this stems from a steady, it was the, you know, the education secretary Cardozo saying, oh, you know, this is people, this is Trump supporters and stuff like that. There's just this reflexive inability to believe that a, you know, parent could genuinely be upset by what their kids are being taught and saying, no, this is not appropriate. They're, they're too young for this. This is stuff that adults, you know, argue about. We're not supposed to be indoctrinating our kids. They just reject this idea that this could ever be a legitimate objection here. Um, it's not exciting. It's not good to see the FBI kind of being dragged into this. There's a long time the FBI did not want to get stuck into politics. I, I do wonder if that's still the case, or I wonder if you know now the FBI is much more comfortable in the role of just another you know uh, political tool of the incumbent administration to be used to help win arguments. And so the question is, when you see parents upset school boards, 
the FBI is comfortable stepping in and saying, aha, well, clearly this is some sort of domestic terrorist threat and we need to treat them as, as if they're all the next Tim McVeigh and not just a, no, I, you know, I looked at the book that was in my school's library. It's totally unacceptable for, it's not, you know, appropriate for kids and I want it out. You know, the, the way, you, you know, that seems very reasonable. And the way Democrats win arguments these days is they insist that the reasonable argument is crazy and extreme and dangerous and inherently threatening to other people and therefore must not be allowed. Very well said. And again, look at how the media characterizes this, because, you know, if you try to reach out to your school board member and perhaps they blow off your email, they don't answer your phone call or they give you a very perfunctory response. So you get worked up and you go to the public comment time at the board meeting and uh, you're on video getting pretty upset. Uh, you're the nut job because uh, you were out there uh, screaming at this duly elected official and uh, it's a lack of respect for the process. But if a leftist activist chases Kirsten Cinema, uh, they're the righteous ones because, you know, if Kirsten Kirsten Cinema really cared, she would stop and talk to them about it. So it's all about where the uh, where the the issue lies and not the conduct of the people when it comes to how they're covered. It's very big double standard. All right, let's talk about uh, something. Just, it makes me, it exhausts me, Greg. Well, Need Theo, to sleep on a pillow. <laughs> yes. Well, Theo should be excited because we are going to talk about Christmas, uh, actually, in the next martini. But, uh, yes, pillows, uh, mattress toppers, many comfortable things over at my pillow, And there's nothing better than slipping into bed with soft, comfortable sheets at the end of a long day of uh, your school board driving you crazy. So now my pillow wants you to sleep better with their Giza Dream Sheets. I love the Giza Dream Sheets. Uh, they're soft, uh, they're comfortable, they're durable. Uh, and right now you're getting a very good deal because for a limited time, uh, if you go to MyPillow.com and use our code word martini, you can buy one, get one free on any Giza Dream Sheets. Imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever own, guaranteed. They're made from the world's best cotton, grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. Its long staple cotton makes it ultra soft and breathable. These sheets are available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. So for a limited time, buy one, get one free on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener's square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 to find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Don't miss the sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow. Com. All right, Jim, it is October. We're in the first week of October. It's okay now for Halloween stuff to be in the story. I know, it's been there since August. The Christmas stuff is already there. But now people are wondering about uh, holiday travel plans, Thanksgiving and Christmas. In fact, Margaret Brennan, the host of Face the Nation, was wondering uh, whether the COVID situation was going to be stable enough that uh, Dr. Fauci would recommend that it's okay for uh, family members to be together at Christmas. And here's how that exchange went on Sunday. But we can gather for Christmas or it's just too soon to tell? You know, Margaret, we, it's just too soon to tell. We've just okay. got to concentrating on continuing to get those numbers down and not yeah. try to jump ahead by weeks or months and say what we're going to do at a particular time. Not going to say what we're going to do at a particular time that's a little over two months away. In a subsequent interview, I think this was yesterday, Dr. Fauci says, you know those things I said on national television? Totally taken out of context. You know, I also said something over the weekend that was taken completely out of context. I was asked, what could we predict for this winter, for like December and Christmas? 
And I said, yeah, I mean, I say you hold off on that. I said, we don't know because we've seen slopes that went down and then came back up. The best way to assure that we'll be in good shape as we get into the winter would be to get more and more people vaccinated. That was misinterpreted as my saying, we can't spend Christmas with our families, which was absolutely not the case. Well, but he said he didn't know yet. So uh, I think most people are tired of being told they can't spend time with their family. But if that wasn't confusing enough from one day to the next, Jim, the CDC, which is all about the flip-flops too, is now recommending people celebrate Thanksgiving virtually this year. Updated guidance states that uh, attending gatherings for events and holidays still increases the risk of getting and spreading COVID-19, especially with the threat of the Delta variant. This is from KOMO News. Uh, It says, safer ways to celebrate the holidays include hosting a video chat party, having an outdoor celebration with everyone six feet apart, and waving to neighbors from a safe distance and avoiding contact with others. If gatherings take place outdoors, masks may not be needed unless the groups are crowded and a high COVID risk is present. Here's my favorite one, Jim. If families still choose to celebrate indoors with people outside the household, the CDC said anyone not fully vaccinated should wear a mask and windows and doors should be open along with installing a window fan to pull in fresh air. Jim, I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Thanksgiving (laughs) is in late November. The temperatures are at least around freezing, if not lower. So if you open all the windows and doors and start blowing fans around, we're going to be either dressing like Eskimos or heading to the ER with pneumonia. So I'm not really sure what this guidance is uh, going to accomplish here. But what do you make of uh, the the whiplash, the dizzying uh, changing of uh, recommendations here? In today's morning jolt, I compared it to Gilda Radner's old character, Emily Latella, the, you know, not well hearing old lady who used to say, complain about, what's all this I hear about violins on TV? I love the music. You know, no, no, Miss Latella, it's violence on TV. And then she would say, never mind. And, you know, well, we, I don't know if we can spend time together at, at Christmas. Oh, never mind. Dr. Fauci says it's okay now. Look, you, you played the audio there that, you know, when asked, can we spend time with our, you know, can we gather at, with our families at Christmas? Fauci could have said, yeah. He could have said at this, you know, first of all, let's face it, no matter what he says, Americans are going to get together with their families at Christmas. So I don't think it's a particularly good idea to make public health recommendations that you know nobody's going to follow. I, I you know, I, I think that is inherently uh, counterproductive. But, you know, if, if you know, and Fauci kind of in that answer is like, well, it's kind of early to tell and all kind of stuff. He could say, I'll give, be able to give you a better answer the closer we get to it. Or, you know, these kind of precautions or what I recommend or something like that. But let's face it, people are going to get together with their family. And by the way, like, so lots of people got together with their families back at Christmas. Right now, as of this morning, 77.7% of all U.S. adults are vaccinated. 75.9% of all eligible Americans are vaccinated. We don't know if the shots for the kids will be available by Christmas. But, you know, when's it going to be safe? If you, you know, if you have people getting together who are vaccinated and in some cases have boosters uh, aren't getting together for the holidays isn't safe. When is it going to be safe? And, you know, Fauci keeps, you know, that same answer on Sunday, keep, you know, making references to cases. And, and boy, you know, people hate it when I point this out, but like not every case is somebody getting sick. In some of these people, some of these cases are asymptomatic. Some of these people are getting it and they're having either very mild symptoms or something. Like, you know, would, would you want to self-quarantine when you do that? Yeah, probably. It's a good idea. But by and large, you are not you know, you're not, certainly not in the hospital. You're certainly not dying. You're, you know, you got the sniffles and, you know, just avoiding people when you have the sniffles is like just common courtesy and a good idea in general. 
the idea that, you know, oh, you know, we still aren't sure whether we can get together for Christmas or something. Of course, people are going to react strongly to that. And I, I can't help but strongly wonder if Fauci had, you know, some phone call from somebody saying, what the hell are you saying? Tell Americans it's okay to get together for Christmas. Um, it's a total 180. I don't care. You know, if you really think it's unfair that you're being misinterpreted, speak clearer. Be more clear with what it would you think, you know, what your recommendations are and, you know, kind of infuriating that, you know, Fauci says these things. There's enormously bad reaction. And then he insists, oh, no, no, you all misinterpreted me when, you know, we all have perfectly fine hearing. <laughs> That's exactly right. Jim, uh, we just found out yesterday and I think it was uh, the official statement came out today that the head of the NIH, Francis Collins, is stepping down after 12 years. Do you think it's due to a severe case of vertigo from all the back and forth from Fauci and the CDC in the last couple of years? Yeah, because, you know, um, Collins also is a guy who at one point in an interview suggested that vaccinated parents should be wearing masks around their kids. And this caused another similar reaction. And then Francis Collins came out the next day and said, oh, no, no, I I garbled my words. I totally didn't mean that. He kind of did. He may have come (laughs) to the conclusion, "Okay, that sounds ridiculous. People are never going to do this. I'm not going to make that recommendation. Um, you know, and I have less, you know, uh, irritation with Collins than I do with Fauci. And I think the other thing that's very clear is that these guys, when they were not the face of all public guidance for a global pandemic, they did their jobs better. You know, this is much tougher. Um, they're also getting up there in years. And so I wouldn't surprise me that, you know, in the not too distant future, Fauci said, you know what, I've had a really good run. Thanks. You know, it's been great America. I'm going to go off and enjoy my retirement. And that's fine. These guys are entitled to do that sort of thing. But uh, I do think the messaging during much of the pandemic has been challenge, challenging at the very begin, at the very least, and bad in a whole bunch of cases. And what's really frustrating is that we're approaching, you know, by come December, it's year three of this pandemic. And, you know, messaging is not getting that much clearer or better as time goes on. Whenever Fauci calls it quits, I'm pretty sure Rand Paul is going to help him clean out his office. Ah. <laughs> I think that's probably going to happen. Jim, uh, quite a day, as always. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already, and we'd be grateful if you told your friends about us as well. Thank you also for your very kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Those are very helpful to us. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Tuesday, and please join us on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Biden and the top generals can't get their stories straight about who supported the strategy that led to the debacle in Afghanistan. And by the way, all of them are probably lying. I'm Sarah Carter on the latest Sarah Carter Show. I'll explain just how incompetent this administration was and still is on Afghanistan. We'll also discuss how China's rampant counterfeiting is a threat to your wallet and even your life. Subscribe to the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.